Hi, and welcome to the podcast today. It is Wednesday, October 25th. Uh, Potpourri, a smattering of things to hit real fast before we have a guest to once again talk like we did a couple of weeks ago with Film Toledo. Dive into the performing arts and maybe I can get some tips or help for my mother ginger appearance. Is that December 2nd at Lourdes? That's five weeks and some change away. It will be here before we know it, even though it's supposed to hit 80 tomorrow. Um, This afternoon, Wednesday the 25th, I think at 2.30 and 5.30 at uh, one of the churches in West Toledo, there is a gathering of a presentation to talk more about the uh, expansion, potential expansion of 475, where some people will have their homes overtaken in, overtaken by eminent domain. Uh, there are some people with some pretty strong evidence. Actually, they say it's it's ODOT's evidence to say things will actually get less safe, more dangerous, more problematic, even though there's not necessarily a problem there now. Uh, 475 westbound headed towards um, 475 south and 23. So, uh, let like we talked about last week with, with Alex and roundabouts and whatnot, uh, let the data make the decision. People, obviously nobody wants to lose their house, not in this climate where, sure, maybe you'll get a fair price, but that fair price might not get you a place that you can afford to move into. So, um And there is perhaps some kind of agenda, especially that agenda might be 20 years in the future with this 475 expansion. Perhaps if it does not happen, um, the data was not helpful. It was not thorough enough. And maybe we look back and go, maybe we look back and go, we made a mistake, which is not often something that uh, decision makers will do. Or we look back and go, we made a mistake. We should have expanded this. Um, it It is, as we've talked about, as I've had at the forefront of my opinions for the last three years it sucks but when you are in a position of leadership whether it's a a manager of any kind of any level whether you're a politician whoever you are a coach unfortunately you have to kind of predict the future Um, as i heard someone say not long ago you need to see around corners you need to see the blind spots that's why we put you in that position um Ottawa Hills had a blind spot of like, what, $1.4 million. Today, there was more information about how they will make that money up since it cannot be voted on as a levy because of a, because of a, essentially a typo, a mathematical error. Um, I am, I say this somewhat facetiously, but also $1.4 million. That seems like money you find in, in, in the couch of a home in Ottawa Hills. And people move in and then sometimes out of that school district, of, of that neighborhood, simply to be a part of that fantastic school district, which is well-funded by the community and beyond. I can't believe that a couple of people who are alumni supporters of Ottawa Hills to save some jobs and some other hardships that might hit the entire district, students, teachers, adults, the community. I can't believe maybe they're not allowed to take a, a donation. I don't know. But I find it hard to believe that a couple of people can't come up, split that money, and write some kind of loan. $1.4 million does not seem like a lot of money for uh, Ottawa Hills to solve that problem. Uh, A problem that may have gotten an answer yesterday. Perhaps you saw the story just in passing because I don't know if you will remember it. There was a lot going on when this was a thing, well, three years ago. And then going back even six or seven years, uh, the story that 
there was an arrest made in a in a cold case from 2017. A, a disappearance. Uh, in the last name of the guy that disappeared was Darrow. Um, Alvin Alvin Darrow, uh, the Darrow family, and I follow this maybe closely more closely than a lot of people because um, a former writer of the Blade, Caitlin Durbin, who I've communicated with a couple of times in, in the last day or so, she uh, she got slammed with text messages yesterday because uh, Caitlin started up what was hoped to be um, a lot of podcast series for the Blade, but this was back in 2020 and then 2021. Uh, a lot of our plans changed from then. To the months and years going forward. So, uh, Caitlin did a true crime doc on the disappearance of Darrow. Uh, was, was he dead? Was it a murder? Where is he? How, how are his relatives, sons involved? Who was the last to see him? I think it's a nine episode true crime doc, which is still there. That's the, I guess, the good thing about putting anything on the internet. It is literally there for life and nearly impossible to completely scrub. So, if you want to go back and check this out, if you're a true crime person, Code 18 is the name of the podcast uh, hosted by Caitlin and produced by some other very talented people at The Blade, I believe. Um, It and she did win an award. It's very well done. I spoke to Caitlin two different times here on this podcast. Um, I've shared links for those both on, on on my various socials. And if you need an easy link for Code 18, it's in my Instagram stories. I've asked Caitlin if she wants to hop on, and I don't know if we have an answer. There's just an arrest made. Perhaps it will likely be uh, a conviction and a guilty verdict, and we'll know who did this, and the cold case will be warmed up, and we'll get a conclusion to it. But it would act, I would like to talk to Caitlin, not necessarily how the podcast did not continue and what happened with her professionally, but how she feels about it, reflecting back on all that hard work. Um, it's easy to do this podcast. It's far easier to do this than to do something like that, which is far more structured and not as prepared, or far more prepared and uh, much less off the cuff than this. Criminally speaking, uh, it's been fun to have the dialogue about House of Usher. Alex and I talked about it last week. Did I finish it then when we spoke? I might have. Um, it is uh, it is the best Mike Flanagan show in the Flanagan verse. If I had to, and and I have seen more people talk about this with any of his shows since maybe the very first one. And I think Haunting of Hill House was the first one. It went Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, Midnight Club, and then House of Usher. Um, my ranking of them. If you really enjoyed House of Usher, and I had this discussion with someone online today. Um, she was overtaken with a lot of emotions, terror, fear, chills from House of Usher. And I, I understand that. There was actually only a couple of jump scares. Because if you watch all the Flanagan shows, you can kind of predict them. The only one that really got me, um, and I texted Alex immediately, that, that got me to jump was when uh, something burst through the window in one of the later episodes on older Roderick when he was having... Um, the conversation with 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 Augie, um, but the the jump scares I got used to them in the first couple of series, the the haunting episodes where midway through haunting of Hill House, I'm like, oh, the, there are there are things hiding in plain sight. That's where the ghosts are. Um, if you did not know that, look them up, rewatch it. 
if you didn't know anything about that show, keep your eyes peeled because there's a lot of scary things hiding, a lot of chilling, frightening things hiding in plain sight. If I'd have to, if I'd have to rank them in quality, uh, and while there's a lot of deep emotion in these series, all kinds of family drama and and trauma, and I feel like uh, Flanagan was able to take everything with all these shows, like collect all the superpowers that they all had and fuse it into one brilliant show to wrap up his run at Netflix, and that was House of Usher. Um, more more mentally jarring, and, and uh, I guess gory. There is no gore or like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like Saw-level violence uh, and fright. In any of the other episodes, it's more of a slow burn thriller or the jump scares. Not like spoiler, where someone is, where dozens of people are melted by acid and you watch it happen, or someone get sawed in half by a swinging beam. Even though he couldn't feel it at the time, right? He was paralyzed. He couldn't move, but could he feel it? So instead of ranking deaths like many people have for House of Usher, um, I will say House of Usher at the top of the list, Midnight Mass right uh, right then below that at number two, number three, and I could swap these back and forth. It's been some years since I watched them. Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and way down in 78th place was Midnight Club, which I did not finish. One more candy corn conversation to have, and then we will shut it down for the year. Uh, the candy corn martinis came out wonderfully this year i don't think i made them last year um how what is what is my recipe there are a lot of recipes you know that i collected three four five years ago and i stayed away from anything with dairy because like that's gonna get you sick and i don't know how long it would sit or last so i stayed away from dairy um there's all kinds of citrusy mixtures that you can use pineapple juice orange juice so I, I made um, a, Frankenst- a Frankenstein or an amalgamation of all those and really synthesized it down to just a couple of ingredients. Get a mason jar, a big one, dump a whole bottle of vanilla or uh, cake-flavored vodka in there, dump a regular-sized bag of candy corn in there, let it sit for a couple days. You're going to have to shake it every now and then because the sediment of what's left of the candy corn will sit on the bottom it will eventually all go away and there will not be like concentrate pieces like an orange juice. Um, Then get yourself a mixer um, and do like four ounces of that. It's it's like a two to one mix. Do four ounces of your uh, candy corn infused vodka and then two ounces of, of triple sec. I should have sprung a little bit and gone for the, uh, the the tiger, the wild tiger, orange tiger. Really nice one. I think Toledo Spirits makes. But uh, yeah, uh, two parts of that, two parts of the infused vodka, one of the triple sec, put it in a shaker, put some ice in there, um, shake it. You can leave the ice in there. You can add a little more of each. If you want to get adventurous and try some of the, the creamers, the dairy things to add the white to it, by all means, go for it. An article I read today that is, uh, it's in, it was in the Blade, but it was a national article, so easy to find. Um, it was back and forth opinions on, on candy corn. Love it or hate it, feelings run high over candy corn come 
Halloween. Reading through this, I think there are more people that preferred candy corn than slammed it. In fact, Michelle Williams is a super fan. She recorded a song last year for Rax or Brox extolling her love. Um, someone else had shared this with me last week, and I might have seen it long ago, but it's in the article. It's unclear where when candy corn was invented. Legend has it that the Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia first produced it in 1888 in collaboration with longtime employee George Renninger. It was called simply buttercream with one type named chicken corn. That made sense in an agrarian society kind of way. Um, and then it looks like it began actual candy corn production 30 years later. 19 candy corns amount to 140 calories and 28 grams of sugar. So that's why I absolutely have to stop putting in my putting it in my vanilla protein shakes. Uh, I call them candy corn cowards. Um, they can only eat it when they mix it with peanuts. So just eat it without or don't. Um, I am not actually like Eric Chase is not my name, but I also don't want you to think that I am Savannah Woolston, 29 year old in, in Washington, DC. Uh, what the sentence she used candy corn in will possibly send some people, uh, to therapy or back to their therapist. This thing is blinking on my screen. Uh, I'm a big fan of mentally getting into each season, and I feel like candy corn is in the realm of pumpkin spice lattes and fall sweaters, and I will die on the hill that that it tastes good. I'm not going to die on that hill. If you want to slant it, actually, people that have pressed me on my candy corn um, affinity over the years have made me like it a little bit more. I don't push back too hard. I'm not going to die on any hills. I'm not, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm not going to extol my virtues of my affinity and taste for it on you. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But the fact that she put candy corn as a, as a fall and fan of seasons in general and celebrating them, um, as someone who put candy corn in the same sentence with pumpkin spice lattes and fall sweaters, people who like those a lot are, again, probably reaching out to their therapist right now. Um, someone who can afford their therapist appointment for a long time to come is Heather Gear, who works at the Burger King on, on Navarre in Oregon. She won $10,000 for a Whopper. She works at the Burger King there. There were some uh, local and regional competitional competitions in the Whopper Challenge. She won the national competition earlier in the month. She won ten grand after making three sandwiches in three minutes. Heather Gear uh, was scored on speed, accuracy, weight, overall appearance, and neatness of the sandwich. She won best Whopper maker in the entire continent and ten thousand dollars richer. Um, it made me think of a lot of recent lawsuits and lots of discussion. We have seemingly moved on from job and workplace complaints to um, restaurant food service, fast food places, complaints, which have always lingered in my mind, which is part of the reason I don't go to them, if ever. I cannot tell. Burger King was in the news for something last week, and it made me think, what does anybody go to Burger King for? And some people had, had answers, but like, I don't know if they, they don't like the Whopper like they like the Big Mac. Do they go for the, the nuggets? Somebody said onion rings. I, I have very little knowledge of... Burger King, I got a lot, when I couldn't get Dunkin' Donuts coffee or Starbucks coffee like 10 years ago when I was living in Allentown, Burger King, especially for like a dollar or whatever it was, had damn good coffee. Maybe the best fast food coffee uh, at the time back then. 
people have been um, concerned, rightly so, uh, that their food doesn't look like as advertised, whether it's something that they buy at a supermarket, but more so um, fast food places and, and restaurants. And I thought that for a long time. Like, I know since I've been a little boy, like, what you saw on the menu or the sign, you were not getting that. And I just came to accept it. And instead of raising hell and lawsuits, I just stopped going. That's kind of my way of going about things. Uh, while I probably come off as pretty confrontational, um, my lack of enthusiasm or laziness uh, doesn't ever want to have me press forward in, in that type of fashion. I will just take my business elsewhere. Uh, you may have seen, and I need to reread this story because this is kind of a insensitive thought. There was a 21-year-old girl who died after drinking a charged lemonade from Panera. Um, I guess she did not know how much sugar and uh, taurine and caffeine was in there. And she had a pre-existing, I believe, heart issue. And yeah, so uh, her family is going after Panera. I need to read more about that. I made the comparison, Alex. That would be like you attempting to try something that might have been around peanuts. It sounds unsafe. But look, we're a lot more brazen and brash and confident when we're 21 rather than 31 or 41. One of the greatest barryisms ever is youth is wasted on the young. And there is not a... <laughs> There's probably a single person, but... It's probably out of a thousand, one out of a thousand teenagers and 20-somethings, like from like 10 to 25, know that they are not invincible. The rest of them are willing to tempt fate. Uh, Noelle is my niece. She went to go see the Taylor Swift movie over the weekend and had a blast. Should have asked Tracy if I could post those pictures. And um, Phoenix didn't exactly uh, have a good time. Said the Tracy said too much running and screaming from all the little, from all the people there. I was like I thought he he's twelve or eleven. Thought he would, be, would have been in heaven uh, with all the all the girls. Somebody uh, took issue with that sentiment of mine that I put on a Toledo Reddit post last week. Uh, she said my younger brother. She's probably twenty something, ninety three, so twenty nine, thirty. Her younger brother is 12, going to be in Toledo. What can we do? And I said, take him to the Taylor Swift movie. One, it's the biggest movie on earth. Um, two, uh, probably uh, probably lots of girls there. And uh, somebody that I like took me to task for, you know, objectifying w women at such a young age. And sure, maybe, but also his older sister is there. It can be a lesson for a lot of people. Um, you may maybe... You don't socialize well. You're, like I, when I was 12, I was terrified to talk to girls. So that would have been an opportune, um, a great opportunity to exhibit a coping strategy that has helped me a lot as I, in, this, in the second half of my life, immersion or flooding. You're afraid to talk to girls. You'd, you'd like to go on a date. I never went to any of my school dances because I was afraid to talk to girls. Mostly had very lousy self-esteem. You want to go to your school dance, your homecoming? You want to ask a girl to go with you instead of just sitting around waiting to see if something will happen? We're going to go to the Taylor Swift show and I'm going to drop you in here and I'd like to see if you can strike up a friend. See if she'd like to go with you.
No harm. Just reasonable human relations. Noelle had a great time. Tracy said her eyes blew up when she saw the trailer for Migration, which is a duck movie. Noelle loves ducks like I love my Transformers and Batman and my dogs. Um, Paul sent me a picture of Noelle in one of her daycare pictures, something Academy. She is wearing uh, a blazer. I said, she looks 23. Paul said, that's her news reporter weather girl jacket. Below the picture, it says goals. I asked Paul what her goals are, and we will wrap up my monologue with this. To get through the day at daycare, to come home and eat mac and cheese and ice cream, to love her family every day, and to love ducks.